the 80s? The Rewind 80s Mixtape Tour is performing at the Albury Entertainment Centre Saturday, May 8th. Performing all the greaties from the 80s, you're in for a ripper night. Step back in time and get your tickets now. AlburyEntertainmentCentre.com.au exciting bloody theme song, huh? Maybe to you. Oh, yeah, no, not maybe to me. Fucking definitely to me. And millions of people around the world. Yeah. Was that the movie theme song or just for That was the cartoon. That was like the intro to the cartoons. So that for me was, that for me is like sort of tied to Saturday mornings, getting out of bed before mum and dad got out of bed and, um, you know, during the 80s and and watching it as a little kid before everybody got up, you know. You'd watch sort of... um, Transformers, you'd watch Masters of the Universe, a couple of other ones, but thing about Masters in the Universe, it sort of it was born in the beginnings of the eighties and it died before the end of the eighties. And yeah. it was really, really popular and, and uh it, it has had a resurgence in, in past years, but yeah, such an eighties cartoon. Just just absolutely love it. Fantastic. Yeah. Well I'm Sammy Hart on. And I'm Jay Jovi. And you're listening to the 80s montage. And if you haven't guessed the subject yet, you're a dumb shit. Masters of the Universe, uh, also known as He-Man or She-Ra, although we are going to be focusing on She-Ra in a later episode. We're just going to focus on sort of the He-Man universe and, and Planet Eternia and all of that. So I can't wait. I'm like living my dream with this episode. And Sammy's, uh, Sammy's just going to sort of in, enjoy herself watching me enjoy myself. Yeah, yeah. Look, I did have a look <laughs> at a couple of things. I couldn't watch the movie. That was like sticking pins up my ass. Yeah. Look, I couldn't watch the movie and Maddie's like, no <laughs> one liked the movie. And yeah. And I was like, really? Yeah. What's it all about? But it's incredible to look back at the marketing of how big cartoons and toys were at this time. Oh, God, yeah, huge. It's sort of – it's different now. You don't get that kind of focus on, like, figurines and stuff. Like, kids play – I think this sort of online – I think the sort of uh, computer game universe with PlayStation and, and so forth is so big that, like, action figures – don't exist as much as they used to. No. Like figurines that's right. and dolls and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they, yeah. they were absolutely huge in the 80s. Well, they, they were. Probably were. The, yeah, they're probably the biggest. There, there were other toys um, for kids in previous decades, like, um, what was his name? Not Flash Gordon. What was the one with the bionic eye? Bionic um, Man? Yeah, Lee Masters used to play him. The Bionic Man. No, the, the, wasn't it like the $40 million man or $30 million oh, man? Oh, $6 million or man. Like $6, Six million. million. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I had one of them. I had one of them when I was really young. Yep. And I remember you could um, you could look into the back of his head and it'd be like a <laughs> like a not very good telescope. <laughs> and like, yeah, right. You know, yeah. But like it did sort of fuck all else, you know. And it was yeah. – he was meant to be this like kind of – amazing man that could do all these things and it was a, a bit of a boring toy and there were other toys like this for boys around in the time but nothing kicked ass like He-Man did by the time He-Man came along. So we're going to be having a look at a little bit at the toys, going to be having a look at the comic book series and a little bit at the film which sort of um, – I guess explored the, the the later couple of years in the 80s when when the popularity was dying off a little bit. Yeah, so that's there you right. Go. 
Fantastic, yeah. babe. So what? how old were you when you got your first He-Man toy? And uh, can you remember that experience at all and how magical yeah. it was? Mm. Yeah, I can. I, I, um, I was literally three or four. Um, I can still remember it. Um, it was actually my eldest brother that brought uh, bought me my first uh, He-Man toy. It wasn't He-Man. It was one of the other characters because um, they they basically sort of released a whole toy line at once, and so you could get you could get sort of He-Man and all his mates, or you could get sort of one of the villains, and they were all available at once. Whereas sort of later they would sort of release them a couple at a time. Um, as they would develop them, but yeah, there were a couple of couple sort of kicking around in the early eighties, and they coincided with like a little. They came with like a little comic book in mm-hmm. like behind the figure, mm-hmm. so you'd get you know not only would you get the not only would you get the figure that you could play with and you know fuck around with and stuff, but you would get the little comic book that kind of told you a bit about the history, a bit about the story and how they were connected, what their relationships were to each other and so forth. Uh, so it was a, a little bit of a double whammy. So the the, the comics were. You know, it was really exciting to get the comics as well. They're really cool, and it was my brother Brett, my eldest brother, that um, that bought me a figurine, and it was one of his first paychecks when he uh, got got his got his first job, which he still got. He's in the same job now, all these years later. Like you know, and I'm talking like fucking forty years later, he still works for the government in for, for this particular department. And, um, yeah, it was him that bought me my first toy. And and it just went crazy. I have the whole set. I've got them in storage. And, um, you know, I'll probably give them to my kid when, when I beca- become a dad next year maybe and, and um, they'll be like, oh, what the fuck's this, you know? <laughs> yeah, well, that's the thing. Yeah. I mean, in, in today's world they really didn't think – out the marketing of actually having iPads the latest thing. It was going to cut all that shit out of, of you know, the yeah. organic toy playing and, yeah, yeah. and cut out a lot of people's jobs, man. Like when you think about it, there's the artists, there's the marketing, there's the the, the moulders, whoever makes them, and there's a lot of people around that. And it's yep. a, a total trillion-dollar bloody, you know, thing that doesn't exist that much anymore. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So we might start kick things off by just sort of uh, talking about like, the you know, the setup, like what led to the toy release because it's really, really interesting. Um, you and I have watched a couple of docos on this in the last couple of days as well and um, I don't know, how did you find the docos being sort of somebody that, you know, know, didn't used to play it. with the toys as a kid? Yeah. I found them a little bit. Hit and miss, to be honest with you, at the start. They were a little bit. Yeah, right. We called it he, she. We called it seaman and we called it this and I thought it was like Johnny um, naming people in Stand and Deliver. It was fucking not good. (laughs) It wasn't good. And I'm sort of like. Just sort of not based on logic. It was sort of random, wasn't it? weird marketing and then they kind of found their feet and then, you know, the artists come in and. I mean, some of the ideas were fantastic straight up and then others were like, Jesus. But it was at a time where it was sort of not happening that much, you know. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So Mattel sort of – Mattel, if you don't know, Mattel's like a massive sort of toy manufacturer. I think they're still around. I'm not sure. Okay, well, I can answer that. I can answer that. Oh, God, yeah, they're multi-million dollar network. So Mattel, Edward, my bestie – Yep. Has done Gwen Stefani's Harajuku Girls, the toys. Yeah, yeah. Harajuku, was, yes. Yeah, yeah. Has flown to America and got yep. paid something like 350 grand to do wow. these dolls, the hair Fucking on the dolls oh, really? and the clothes. Yep. Oh, he did the hair on the dolls. Yeah, yeah. So the Holy dolls shit. are in the, um, and they're Mattel, the dolls yep. are in the supermarkets and then she's got the cartoon. So that's the only thing I can really you know, resonate with with Mattel in nowadays. This was only a couple of years ago too. Yeah, yeah. So sort of toy manufacturers were like really, really big companies, like big lucrative companies because um, it was big business and there was sort of I guess two 
main big ones. There was Mattel and there was Kenner. So uh, in the early, in the sort of late 70s, along came a guy and he came to Mattel and he basically said, I've got this film coming out. Um, there's really good potential for the, this toy line. Uh, do you want to have a look? And Mattel had sort of invested in all these toys that were licensed from films and the whole problem was by the time that they started conceptualising the toys and drafting them and all of that, the film would be released and they'd only get like a couple of months for that toy being really hot and then nobody wanted to buy it anymore after the film was sort of in theatres for a couple of months and the kids would fucking forget about it, move on to the next thing. Anyway, so this guy, yeah, I've got this film coming out, fucking blah, blah, blah. They ultimately said no and this guy was, of course, George Lucas. So George Lucas went across to Kenner and the rest is history there. Like, you know, the um, the Kenner toy line for the, the, the fucking uh, Star Wars merchandising was just one of the biggest merchandising successes, if not the, the mer- merchandising success of history. Like it was absolutely huge. Uh, and the whole... Uh, Lucas Empire was was you know more based on the the toy empire than it was on the film. It was such a huge success. It basically sort of bankrolled uh, his entire empire and subsequent films and all of that. So Mattel was sort of fucking kicking themselves in 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 the in the foot. They they, they were really pissed off that they they had let that one go, and they were like, "Great, well you know we're going to have this really successful toy line rather than." Rather than licensing an idea from a film, though, we're going to come up with our own idea. It's going to be original idea. We're going to do that. They, they kind of they wanted to do it with Conan because they wanted sort of some element of sorcery and sort of swords and shit. Yeah. Uh, the thing about Conan, though, it was an R-rated film, basically. Like yeah, it was that's just, right. just too much adult adult content, and you know, not not much opportunity for them to fucking for, for kids to see it. So, um, but they liked the idea. They wanted to go for that that fucking you know sweaty, muscly fucking swords and fighting and shit. Um, but they also wanted to bring in the the sort of space scientific element of Star Wars to sort of try to take that on. They basically amalgamated the two ideas where sort of science meets sorcery and they started conceptualising He-Man. They went through sort of all these different uh, drafts for names. They were brainstorming names before they did any kind of, um, what do they call it, market research. And they, they came up with the initial line which was probably about, I don't know, 10 to 15 characters and started making them. They cast them sort of with these big fucking muscly bodies and they were a good couple of inches. The the thing that made them so successful, they were a good couple of inches taller than like the can of Star Wars toys. So they'd really be like huge in a little kid's hand, you know, and um, the way that they were different to – those toys in particular is they'd like have like grimaces on their face or they'd be scowling or and their their kind of arms and legs and, and legs feet moved. and stuff would be yeah they'd they'd yeah. be bent like as if they were ready to fight whereas yeah. the other toys are really static yeah uh, and so they kids, were they were interesting really because it, oh, they were great out the masculine energy in little boys. The yeah, fighting yeah. And, and it was all – it's very Piscean to love all that yeah, right. stuff and play with toys and, and have that imaginary world where yeah. you could have an imaginary world. I think Star Wars you kind of knew where it was set and everything was just a little bit different. But it did shock me to know that they did not go for the Star Wars thing. That's when I went, oh, maybe you guys are a little bit behind. But obviously it worked in the end. I really think they I really think there was something a bit bumbling about them though. Um, to let an empire get that big and then drop off in the space of ten years like that. Whereas you look at something like Barbie with little girls, that's lasted from the fifties and girls are still playing with fucking Barbies, you know? Yeah, but they kind of they get they kind of re- reinvent themselves the Barbies, like 
you can only sort of go so far with He-Man. Where oh, they the intended one- to do it though. They had like they had all these storylines and shit that they were about to release to sort of continue the line going. And mm. some of it was really interesting, like the mythology behind it and, and everything, but they just lost money. Like, they, you know, that that line just went broke. So they abandoned the idea because like towards the end of the 80s, there were, there were more popular sort of Transformers had gotten really big as well by then. And also in the latter part of the 80s, Ninja Turtles came out and fucking – all the kids jumped on fucking Ninja Turtles, yeah. you know. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, um, uh, and yeah, they by then everybody was ripping off He-Man as well. So they had sort of like direct competitors, you know, like um, competing with them. But they, I, I don't know, they, they were re, they were really lucky. I think a lot of it had to do with luck. They had this beautiful. It was a beautiful synergy between sort of. Uh, the voice acting. Oh, so the other bit was like the, the toys were released in like 81 and the toys did really well, you know, the toys did really well initially, but in, I think it was 83 that the, um, that the bloody, yeah, it was, it was between 83 and 85 that they started doing the, the comic book, the, the comic series, the animation series. Yeah. And it really, really lifted, you know, like. Kids were seeing the characters that they were playing with in their hands on TV and Saturday morning fucking comic storylines. And, and and what's more, they could hear the voices for the first time as well. Like, that was huge. And um, the voice acting ta- talents for the, for the animation series were fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. They were really, really good. Yeah, yep. really, really good. So it was sort of this beautiful synergy between the voice acting talents, the music – in the show was really fucking good. Like you would have heard the intro there, like really exciting, um, you know, semi-orchestral, like really big and fucking action pumped and everything. Um, the sound effects in the show were really fucking good. The figures just looked really good. Um, and the other thing with the with the comic book series, there'd always be a moral at the end. So they'd have okay. the... They'd have the fucking story and then at the end it'd be like He-Man had turned to the camera and be like... You know, he'd say, "Yo, you might have seen when I, you know, fucked Taylor in the ass." You know, but not not did yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. But but um, he um he would sort of turn to the camera and talk about the moral of the story and everything. So it was a nice sort of neat little package, like every episode. You know, it was really yeah, kids right. loved it. Kids kids absolutely loved it. So, so I have it, yeah, no it was idea really where the film comes into this. Where did when did the film get released and? Because I, I didn't a, even know that that guy was in the movie. I've only seen him in Rocky, the blonde oh yeah. German thing. Yeah, And uh, yeah. I was like, oh, I didn't realise that. And I actually couldn't watch the movie. For some reason Netflix wouldn't play the picture but just the audio last night. Oh, and I went, okay. Oh, well, yeah. Probably some kind of quality controller. Look, I remember um, going, to, going to the drive-in to see the film. I was really, really excited. Um, and then the moment it came out, rental on tape, like a year later or whenever, um, on on um, VHS, fucking like ringing them every night at the video store. Is it out yet? Is it out yet? Is it out? You know, like, and they're like, no. Um, so I loved it as a kid, but I could also tell it the kid as a kid it wasn't very good. You know, did, yeah, it was did sort that of, come first though? No, or no, no. Cartoon? So the film, no, no, no. Okay. the cartoon was first. So the toy yeah. line. With the comics in oh, in eighty one, okay. then between yep. eighty three and eighty five, which was the big boom period, um, that was the animation series uh, by a company called Filmation, and then in eighty seven they would do the film. They were trying to develop the film for years, uh, but it was so so popular that they wanted to make the film really big. And so they were trying to like raise this real, you know, they're trying to put a lot of money money down, and yeah, they couldn't get a big big enough investor. They they um, initially uh, were interested by Universal, like Universal wanted to wanted to take them on in terms of the film, and then a company called Canon, like a film company called Canon. You know, big big film company name there. Fucking, I, I haven't heard another. You know, I haven't heard another one of their films that they've done. They pro- possibly were a big '80s one that since has sort of di- you know died out from our consciousness. But in retrospect, they should have gone for fucking Universal. It would have been would have been out there like um, 
at their park and everything in LA and part of that and anyway they probably Canon promised them more money or something and they went for that so the film film came out in 87 but it was really sort of plagued the film the the whole production of it and by the time it came out things things were really dying off things are yeah, right. things are really fucking dying off yeah so see it um, doesn't look 87 it looks freaking 81 like there's not anything that's amazing it was, about yeah, it. Like it, it looks it like should it's have had a much production. bigger budget. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. It was it was sort of done on the cheap. What basically happened um, um, what basically happened was say for instance Mattel said they would put up half the money if Canon put up half the money. Canon was like, "Yes, we'll do that, but you put up the first 100." So uh, Mattel put up their their money first, and then Canon never put their money into the film. Oh my so, god! So yeah, they sort of got uh, gypped, and so it was all it all had to be done on a really tight budget, and it just right. it, it it looks awful. It looks awful, and and wow. add to that, they had sort of they didn't have complete artistic freedom as well. Like you look you looking at sort of late eighties where you had big, big action films with lots of violence, you know? So that's what they were competing with. But then mm. they had sort of Mattel nipping at the heels saying, you can't show our characters like He-Man killing people. He doesn't, He-Man's uh, like the, the biggest hero in the universe. You can't show him killing people. So, and they're like going, well, come on, man, you're fucking, you're competing with like, you know, fucking Rambo and, um, you know, A-Team and everything where they're fucking blowing things up and killing people all the time. The kids aren't going to love it. The people aren't going to love it unless there's that sort of heavy element of violence, you know. And and it was like that in the 80s, like action films, you know. They were violent. They, a lot of people got well, blown up. Were. A lot of people got shot. Yeah. But if you've got a character that's been marketed for ten years on being lovely, who was the character in the movie that was the bad guy or the cartoons? So Skeletor. This is the other Skeletor, big Skeletor, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Skeletor was it's almost like the thing with him and the success of Masters of the Universe is the duality between He Man and Skeletor because he was such a fucking Awesome villain. He was a really, yeah. really strong villain. Yeah. And this is, say, something in, like, the Marvel Universe now with, like, you know, Iron Man, fucking Thor, Captain America, all of them. They've got great heroes but they don't have good villains. Not good enough. Not as good as the heroes. But it's something that He-Man got right. It's something that Master of the Universe got right. They had really fucking compelling villains. And you – what – Almost as in love with the villains as you were with the good guys, you know? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why uh, in the movie they just shouldn't have changed that dynamic. It's an instant marketing fail. Well, see, um, they actually had a better actor in Frank Langella in the film playing Skeletor than fucking Dolph Lundgren who could barely string a sentence together playing human. But they looked the part. They absolutely looked the part. Um, And they kind of banked on Frank Langella being so awesome. It was kind of, even though this wouldn't happen for a couple of years later, it was kind of how... Jack Nicholson as the Joker really sort of kept uh, Batman, the film Batman going and he was sort of pulling all the strings and everything and so Batman Mm. could be a bit more aloof and kind of in the shadows and shit and a bit more mysterious, you know. It was similar similar to that that they did with the film but – yeah, look, the the to- you know, going back to the very beginning, the toys were fucking fantastic. I had the yep. I had the whole set. Um you initially had um I'm just thinking of the characters. You initially had uh He-Man and He-Man was sort of like a like a Clark Kent super Superman kind of character where um, in his normal day, he was Prince Adam. So he was the Prince of Eternia. His parents were king and queen. Um, and he was a bit of a, I don't know, he was a bit of a wimp. He was a bit of a poof. Like he, he sort of had this pink shirt on. He was dumb. Yeah, and it's, it's fucking, very homoerotic. 
Yeah, he's very homoerotic. He had this sort of like, mm, little yep. blonde bob of hair, like, oh, mm. hello, you know, and sort of like tights with the undies on on the outside, like, mm, do you like my uggies? Yeah. Anyway, then, um, you know, for whatever reason, sort of a lot of the folklore wasn't explained in the comics. Uh, you kind of just went along with it. You know what yeah. I mean? You kind of just went along with it as a kid. And so for whatever reason, Prince Adam had his hands on this power sword that um, he'd put the sword above his head and say this oath, um, by the power of Skull, I have the power, and he would get transformed into He-Man. So he'd get transformed into this, like, smart fucking, smart, funny, super, super strong hero that could just fucking solve any problem and get out of anything, you know, and... Um, uh, Castle Greyskull was this old magical castle where, like, the powers of Eternia were all contained. And, yeah, if you said this oath and it was on on behalf of Greyskull, you were sort of um, – you were sort of able to invoke all of the powers of Greyskull into you. That's what, that's what made him so powerful. So mm. Skeletor was constantly after this power sword and – um, yeah, he, you know, Skeletor basically wanted to rule Eternia himself. He was constantly trying to break into Castle Greyskull and it was all centred around that. So you had sort of uh, He-Man and his mates. His mates were Man-at-Arms and Teela and Orko. There was also Stratos who was like a kind of winged uh, warrior. There was uh, Mechanic who had this big long fucking neck that could go up like a bionic neck. And all the toys did this. This is the thing. All the yeah. toys did these fucking awesome and it's, things. And it's exciting when that happens, you know. Oh, it's so you've cool. you've seen on the cartoons, you're like, fucking they all yeah. do it. Oh, I can yeah. really do it. You press the foot and it fucking <laughs> jumps. There was um, <laughs> there was Ram Man who was like a human battering ram he, and he's the one that used to jump. Uh, there was Orko. I might have mentioned Orko. He's like a little wizard whose spells Orko used to never work. Orko looks like and... our cat. Ah, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. We were going to yeah. call our cat Orko, oh. but he already had the name from the RSPCA. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, Maddie's like, oh, I wish I could have called him Orko. Oh, bugger. Yeah, that would have been so 80s. Orko yeah. used to fuck everything up. Orko was like oh. the kind of court jester um, and he – he was a powerful magician, but he used to fuck things up all the time. So um, only a handful of people knew uh, that Prince Adam was He-Man. It was like a secret identity as well. Um, so add that, that there was like an inner sanctum of people that knew. And and so Prince Adam was constantly trying to hide his true identity and, and vice versa, all that shit. So then you had um, Skeletor. He... He was friends with a witch called, um, oh, fuck, it's going to kill me now. I should know off the top of my head. I'll come back to her. So you had Skeletor. His mates were Beastman. Of course, the witch's name was Evelyn. I, f- I always fucking forget that. Evelyn. Um, there was uh, Merman. There was Stinkor. There was Trapjaw. <laughs> They're fucking, you know, ridiculous so names. Ones. But they were really, oh, yeah, one after the other, mate. They had so many figures and they sort of – they had this initial big release and then they had this second big release and, like, the toy, the toys that came out in the second release were, like, so much more money was going into their development. They, they um, you know, they were painted much more beautifully. They were moulded much more beautifully. They did really cool stuff. They held all little parts to them and, yeah, they were really, really cool. They, they, and, and you, you know, add to that – you also sort of had the castle. So you had like – you had Castle Grayskull, you had um, – the, and they were play sets. You could actually like play with the figures on these sets. Um, they had so Snake Mountain. We, snake. Yeah, yeah. Do you want to yeah, um, sna- do an 80s commercial before we talk about that? Uh, which one? Talk about which one? Uh, Grayskull. I'll just I'll just touch on it and then we'll do the commercial. Okay, but we used, cool. Yeah, you used to have Snake Mountain as well and that was where – Fucking Skeletor used to hang out, and they were they were fucking awesome, yeah. So there's your toys. There was my childhood. That's all I fucking did. Play with these. Well, um, did you have a tribe of people you did this with in your town? Because you would have been in Cairns. Well, see, I grew was up there on a, a farm. So of- yeah, I was I was kind of a little bit isolate, isolated. So isolated. I was I was sort of 
in my imagination with these toys. Mm. And mm. I guess this is where my love of story, like it's so, so strong and my love of storylines and mythology and everything's really, really strong for me. I've essentially made a living out of it, you know. It's what I've always done. And it was really kind of born in this sort of territory, you know. Like yeah, in sure. Masters of the Universe, yeah, yeah. So yeah. you were so how we old and you st- – how old? 26. Seven, eight? No, no, I was, no, yeah, I was. <laughs> Some people are fucking 26 <laughs> are, and doing mate. this shit, man. Absolutely, yeah. You look on YouTube and, and you can see the freaks yeah. of nature all God, talking yeah. about this shit, you know. Frothing at it, mate, yeah. yeah. And see, these days the toys are worth so much as well. Yeah. Like the original toys are fucking worth so much, you know. Um, but um, uh, what were you saying? Um, I was saying, I can't even we're remember. Gonna do, we're going to do an ad or a gig guide, won't we? Yeah, no, gig no, guide. we can do an ad. We'll do the gig guide last. It's all good. Uh, but all right. we'll, we're going to play an 80s ad that you'll all enjoy, especially if you are fans of the Master of the Universe. So here we go. What do we have here? It's Castle Grayskull. And it's mine. Not so fast, Beastman. Peter! You can pit He-Man against Beast-Man playing for the power of Castle Grayskull. You have to put the castle together. Beast-Man's escaping. What's wrong, Dad? Dad, you saved the castle. Castle Grayskull from the Masters of the Universe collection. He-Man and Beast-Man each sold separately from Mattel. There you go. How's that fucking voice, mate? Yeah. Hang on. You ready to do your vo- voiceover, Fred? Yeah, hang on. I just got to get through this pack of <laughs> fucking Winnie, Winnie get Reds. Get fucking cigarette. Jesus. But I love, what? like, you have to put the, the castle together. Voice. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that that's my biggest dream is to be a voiceover artist. I've always wanted to be one and I've been on some cartoons and stuff. But yeah. um, today I've got to audition or tomorrow I've got to audition for an American company for reading books in an Australian accent. Oh, really? So I was like, really? Fuck. Yeah. And help. But um, so I've got to do, because I've got my own studio, I've got to send a, so that's probably the closest I'm going to get for doing a cartoon, but they're going to be doing a whole lot of books in Aussie accents from America or someone's written. I'm like, oh, that's exciting. That That's another yeah. job you can do. It's sit on your ass at home and do. You and know it's what, something you, you, that you, would be great. Oh, it's really good and and lots of fun doing voiceover stuff. And these days, yeah, because of the sort of quality of I mean, look at us now. Because of the quality of our of, of our home recording equipment, you can essentially sit at home and make a fucking great living out of it. You know, and mm. Um, mm. you'd you'd really suit it. And a great way of getting into it is. Um, you know, read a kid's book and voice all the characters as you're reading yeah. it, and you know, just just put a lot of detail and new nuance, and have a have a lot of fun with yep. the characters' voices as you're reading it, and yeah. send it to a couple of voice agents and stuff. You know, not yeah, everyone I can't be can do it. Doing that. <laughs> doing that. Um, nah, rather watch. Them ask me rather watch Will and Grace. Shit. I don't even have time to fucking do this audition, but anyway, I'm going to do it. Um, <laughs> yeah. I would, yeah. I I probably watch TV now at about three in the morning for two hours, and then that's it. Like it's <laughs> unreal. But yeah, I will definitely audition and and like voiceover artists. Like for people that don't understand. Uh, in America, when you are given a voiceover to do a cartoon, you get paid for the rest of your life when this cartoon's played every Absolutely. minute of the day. So yeah, that's if right. you've done those voices, then you're a, and then you die, then your estate gets that money. There's a, a shitload of money in that, and in yeah. Australia, we don't do it that way. We just do the one fee, and then you get a yearly fee. But in that's it. Overseas, it's a different situation. So these gotcha. guys would be millionaires. For real. Yeah, yeah. And they were really sought after as well. Like the guy that uh, did the voiceovers for Optimus Prime from Transformers, he did it right the way through the comic book series and even went into the film series. He still voiced it in the film st- series. He was an old bloke, like still doing Optimus Prime. But the voice was so incredible. And you like look at sort of like James Earl uh, James Earl Jones doing doing Darth Vader and so forth. You know, those voices are iconic, and especially to the children that listen to them. You know, that's it's like chilling. It just sort of 
They they absolutely love it. The guy that did um, He Man was a guy called John Irwin, and he also did he also did Prince Adam. Uh, he did other characters in the series as well. There was another guy in, in Masters of the Universe, Alan Oppenheimer, and he did so many different characters. Like he he did Cringer, who was Battleman's um, Cringer and Battlecat. So oh, this is the other thing. So He Man would become. Sorry, Prince Adam would become He-Man and Cringer would become Battle Cat. And Cringer was like this wimpy green tiger and like yeah. he'd get zapped with the power sword as well and become Battle Cat and become like really brave and everything. Um, this guy, fucking Alan Oppenheimer, would voice all of these sort of secondary characters and the the, the difference and the nuance between the characters was just fucking incredible. Like yeah, they were so right. unique. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, there's definitely um, a talent that some people have and some people don't. And yeah. EJ Daly, who is a pop star, she was with Stock Aiken and Waterman. She had a couple of singles out. She's now a voiceover for the Powder Puff Girls, and she oh, is wow. everywhere. Uh, oh, because those those things are still huge. You know, little girl stuff. Yeah. I think lasts a lot longer. Than yes. uh, that kind of th- – because, you know, little boys get into it as well, I guess. But um, little girls won't usually get into the G.I. Joes and all that kind of stuff. Very, no, they really won't. They want to brush their hair and stuff. And yeah, that's that right. Now, they th- and, and that is where Shearer came in because they, they were sort of – because they became so popular they wanted to appeal more to girls because there was only a handful of – female characters in He-Man and they thought, great, let's have another universe where we'll have all chicks and we'll sort of, you know, take on Barbie essentially. So, you know, but we'll we'll talk about that down the track. But bloody But um, didn't they buy it, yeah, that's right. I saw that. Yeah. And then yeah. they made Barbies or something after that and everyone was really confused by that. Was it Mattel that did another Yeah, Mattel line? made Barbie as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so for I sure. think they stopped and then they, they started with the, the Barbie doll at the same time and everyone was like, why are you doing your competition with the competition, you know? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, that's right. But it was smart right. to keep going with the Barbie because Barbie is centuries old, you know. Yeah, God, exactly. Whatever. Yeah, yeah. It's been incredible. Now, um, as I said, like a huge part of the success of He-Man was the popularity of Skeletor as well. Alan Oppenheimer mm. voiced Skeletor and it also – Skeletor, strangely enough – Skeletor was piss funny, mate. This is the thing. Skeletor was sarcastic. He he was he was like a gay. He was like a snipey gay. He, he had something really queeny about him, even though he fucking yeah, right. had a face that was this yellow skull, and he was in like a purple hood. Um, you know, and he fucking like had claws. He had like big fucking web feet and everything. Like he's, you know, hellish to look at. He looked like death. He looked like sort of um, death incarnate. Sort of. He had this. Re- <laughs> he had this really evil laugh, but he was like really like he was like a bitchy queen. He was fucking hilarious. Right. Yeah. It was. It was a really interesting touch (laughs) in the in the show and it never actually occurred to me until years later in retrospect when I was like oh my god you know Skeletor's like a bitchy bitchy fucking queen at the bar like taking down all the younger queens you know it was hilarious but um yeah look up as well um if you guys are interested in this look up uh Alan Oppenheimer and look up uh Linda Gary who was the the big sort of female voice talent. And she voiced Eva Lynn, she voiced Teela, she voiced uh, the Sorceress. So the Sorceress was like this old, she was like a white witch who was like a guardian of Castle Grayskull. And she was sort of really mystical and mysterious as well. And and she could turn into an eagle whenever she wanted. So interesting, mate. There's lots to it. Lots to it. You've got to watch the old cartoons. did you have as a kid? My, oh, like are we it, in the hundreds or are we in easily? No? Yeah. Oh fuck! See, there were vehicles as well, so they had yeah, vehicles right. as well. So I had all the fucking mm. vehicles. They'd have like massive spiders that you could ride in. They had like fucking like all these cars and vehicles, and like they had this massive dinosaur. 
Yeah, like, oh, it must have been over 100, 100 figurines. And, like, if you're a kid and they were big toys. Yeah. You know, if you're a t- kid and you're, like, humping around, I remember I used to carry them around in an emptied-out beanbag. <laughs> All fucking like in this sack that I That's used to take over my then. friends. Yeah. And mum and dad would be like, no, you take the top ten or the top five. And I'd be like, yeah. Like how am I meant to fucking choose? So like my biggest stress was that last five minutes before we left to go somewhere having to choose my top ten that I wanted to take and and kind of show off and showcase and like these are the good ones. And, and I had to think ahead to storylines that I could – play out with because I didn't get to see sort of other kids all the time. So it, the stakes were high, you know, like I had to fucking hit the nail on the head. And, then, yeah, this was another thing that was like really uh, you uh, unique about um, He-Man that a lot of people would cop, copy later. Um, you were controlling the figures and they recognised very early on that sort of when you're playing with action figures – the kids were enjoying that power over having power over these figures and they make them do this and make them do that. So they, they harness that idea of power and having powers. And, and so over their parents lo- as well. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It was like a make believe yeah. thing. So that, and, and that was like a really big theme in the, in the late seventies and all of the eighties. And you'll see it in a lot of films is they were exploring like, people having special powers and like mm. normal normal people having special powers like telekinesis they could move stuff with their mind they could talk to people with their mind a lot of that stuff was popping up like in themes in 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 uh films and television and stuff and it's something that they really capitalized on in he-man you know that there, there, there mm. was that character had that power that character had that power they all had sort of separate abilities and stuff that made them all unique so yeah, yeah. There was a lot Absolutely. of heart in the series. A lot of heart. Yeah. A lot of things just came together and melded really well. You go back and watch the uh, original comic book, uh, the original cartoon series, the the animation series that came out between 83 and 85. It's a bit wonky um, mm. now. You know, the animation's a bit fucking El Crapola. But because the voices were so good, because the music was so good, you just forgave it as a kid, you know? Yeah. And they did two series and I think something like 130 episodes, you know? You forgave it like your Uncle Brian. That's right, you know, after a bit of counselling from the psychiatrist. <sighs> but um, uh, Shearer had about 90-something episodes um, and they had, a, they had a couple of crossover episodes uh, because Shearer was He-Man's sister and she was abducted to another world at birth. Um, did Superman so and He-Man, didn't they do comic book Superman! books together? Superman! Didn't, Sorry. Superman, um, didn't they do comic book books together? Is that what kicked some of the oh, He-Man off? They could have because DC did, yeah, DC did pick up the 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 large form comic book rights to He Man and started releasing behind the scenes as well uh, to support everything else. I don't know if they did a crossover. They could have. They could well, have. I think that was on the doco, wasn't it? Super uh, oh. Superman and He Man. Been a while since I've watched that doco, and I lo- oh, okay. I watched. I, I I knew that you'd watch that one, so I sort of watched others just to get a bit of perspective yeah, yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah. So so um. I, I, Look, I understand I knew, it, but I'm not yeah, of the yeah. understanding of everything, you know. You know what? I knew you would hate the film as well, so I watched a doco on the film. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. No, the, I actually the, couldn't even watch the film. Like I don't know what was going on. I even sent an image to Maddie going, what's going on? I can't see anything on there. They're like, oh, well, bad luck. Mm. And then went to sleep. Yeah, right, right. I, I get it. I was like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. God, I can't even watch it. But I didn't yeah. realise uh, – it was just the production was so badly made. It was like um, Lost in Space but worse or something. See, the, the characters looked great. Like He-Man looked incredible. Skeletor looked incredible. Uh, Eva Lynn as well. They, they did her really well. Um, 
But for some reason they chose to – well, not for some reason because of budgetary fucking restrictions. They decided to set it largely on Earth. And oh, okay. this was something that was never explored in the comics and it was like all the He-Man stories are on Eternia, you know, mm. on this other on this other fucking planet. Um, why would you fucking bring in a theme where it comes to Earth? It just sort of – it was like a wasted opportunity, you know, like people were fucking fanging to see this kind of like Lord of the Rings style, you know, it's on this other earth, on this other, in this other fucking universe. And, and they brought it to earth and it's all fucking set in and around malls with um, Courtney Cox in it and stuff. Yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, yeah, and that was her, uh, it was Dolph Lundgren's second film after Rocky and it was, or Rocky two or whatever it was. Um, and it was and it was um, Courtney Cox's first project after Dancing in the Dark with uh, Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, right. Which we never thought yeah. we'd see her again after that. Really, N- no, so that's fantastic right. Fantastic that she got a role in anything. You know. Yeah, yeah, and she was good. Hey, she was good. You know. Yeah, yeah. No, she's always been really yeah. good. So yeah. I've got a one dick wonder today. Great. And uh, we'll give this one a bit of a listen. I really dig this song and this is definitely a one dick wonder. Recollection of this, yeah, it's very Who? Wang Chung. Ah, uh, yeah, Chung. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got yeah. that same production vibe about it. It's by a band called Wax, and it was right. 1987. So you would have been, oh, you would have been old enough to remember it. Yeah, definitely. I would have been year 1987 four or something like yeah. that. Yeah, is your yeah. is the ones you the year you really remember? Um, I loved it. I thought it had a great groove. It was um, their second studio album. So they had albums but this was really the only one that did anything. And in the, they were a UK band, yep. Andrew Gold and Graham Goldman, sort of similar mm-hmm. surnames. Yeah. And uh, they went number 12 in the UK, that where their hometown. Yep. Australia it went number 17. So it didn't do bad here at all. And it was like a stop-motion animation video. It was yep. all done through that and it was interesting. I think it was based in a kitchen or something and they were moving around and stop, you know, a bit Peter Gabriel but not as clever. Oh, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But really, yeah, really true. cool. Really awesome. cool. But, yeah, they were the one dick wonder. I just had a look at some one dicks and I thought, this is a really good song. Absolutely. Gee, that's a little one pulled out of the archives, isn't it? I love it. Yeah, Bridge to Your Heart by Wax, 1987, 6th of July it came out. And Wax, what what do we say to our our one dick wonder? Nice one. Nice one, dick. Dick. Beautiful. Love it. Ah, great. So you got anything else to tell me about He-Man that's Yeah, one more point, which is um, I'll talk about the film a little bit because, I don't know, there's something I love about disasters. 
and this film was a disaster. They they sort of they had yeah. just things stacked against them from the very beginning. This, the toys were really starting to wane. Um, the toy line had lost something like. $400 million because Shit. they did this, yeah, in, in the 80s that was a lot of fucking money uh, because they – and it shows you how how lucrative the business was, you know, because the, the $400 million basically was they had released this – you know, another big wave of their toys and they were looking looking at sort of recouping all, all of that money and – the film was the way that they saw that they were going to sort of make all this money back. Who's they? Mattel? Who? Who's they? What do you mean? Mattel. Mattel. Yeah. They. So they. Mattel they is Mattel. Wanted to bring out the movie and destroy their own fucking toys. That just is seems. No. 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 Ludicrous. They were bringing the movie out to sort of take take it even further, like take it take it to a live action realm. So they had done toys. They had done. Um, comics, they had done an animation series and the next thing to do would be like a live action film. And they were they were initially looking at doing like a trilogy, say like Star Wars or like how Lord of the Rings has done it where there's sort of multiple instalments in this, you know, in, in this film universe, you know. They were really so looking to sort of – So no one else owned it. Like Mattel actually paid the money to – what I'm saying is – I don't understand the stupidity of Mattel going, let's put out this film and give it shit money and make it shit so they that we fuck our own They didn't give it shit industry. money. They, had, they gave it everything they had left. But they, oh, so they I sort thought of, you said 100,000, sorry. I thought you were saying that before, 100 or whatever. No, no, no. So I was just um, – they had lost $400 million on on paying for the – the, um, the the toy line, the, the, the sort of wave of toys that had just come out and they were looking to make that money back and the way that they were looking to make that whopping amount of money back so quickly was through this film. They were like, great, this is how we're going to do it. This is how we're going to sort of advance our empire and everything. So they sort of um, – they were, they were looking for a film company to go into partnership um, as I said before, uh, one of one of them was even Universal, but they knocked back Universal and went for this film company, uh, Canon, that I mentioned before. And Canon just sort of said that they would give them better money and a bit better deal than anybody else. And they, they said they would match whatever investment um, Mattel would put up and Mattel agreed to it and then Canon said, yeah, but you got to put in the first instalment and then we will. So sort of Mattel's just sort of fell into it, gave them the last of their money and then Canon just never came good with their half. So um, they were sort of on a – they were sort of on a – by this time Mattel had everything to lose. So they had to sort of go ahead with this project. They had to get the movie made and they because had to get it Because they'd already promoted it or – Because there was already buzz – there yeah, was right. already word out there. They should have the sort pulled of, it, eh? Well, no, nah, you know, the the forecast earnings, if it had been good, it could have been like fucking incredible. It could have it could have rivaled um Star Wars, you know, which was always what they were trying to do. They, you yeah. know, they were always it was Star Wars was like the one that got away for them, and they were always yeah, trying right. to sort of emulate that, you know. So they Which is a um, huge mis- sorry, babe. It's a yeah, huge no, no, no. mistake to try and emulate something and just make it your life purpose. Yeah. You're asking for fucking defeat. It's difficult you know. because sort of like we live in the sort of postmodern age where you kind of take a little bit over there and, t- you know, you, you sort of share ideas and stuff. You look at Madonna, like that's what she's done sort of her whole career. But um, yeah, I think, yeah, I think if you try, if you sort of, obsessed with this kind of revenge like or trying to trying to get back or trying to one up somebody else it's not yeah. a very good way of keeping things going you know yeah it's, oh, it's well, weird you're just wasting but, too um, much energy yeah yeah exactly right exactly right but um yeah so this film had to get made they really wanted uh Dolph Lundgren was attached to the project from the very beginning 
Um, they had other actors and and the director, I think his name's Greg Goddard or some shit. I'll, I'll, I'll fucking um, I'll, I'll make sure of that soon. But the um, the whole thing. The whole thing was they were having some incredible actors come on to audition for the part of He-Man, like actual actors who had the body and everything, blah, blah, blah. But Dolph Lundgren had just done Rocky and they he were like, hot. nah, he's, he's doing it, you know. Yeah. The thing is he had a heavy accent. He had a heavy, yeah, heavy yeah. accent. There was nothing about him and ever having an accent before, yeah. you know. So, oh, God, they really yeah. didn't think about it, did they? Nah, I know. It, oh. it needs to come down to the actor. It needs to come down to the actor. Yeah. You, you, can't, you can't just base it on visuals. They've got to be able to advance the story through their acting and through, you know, their delivery of, of lines and stuff, you know. It can't yeah, just that's right. all be action, you know. Although, like, fuck, he looked incredible. Anyway, so um, they put a really good supporting cast around him in terms of the people playing Teela and Man-at-Arms and stuff. Um, they couldn't afford the... The, the kind of the technology didn't exist yet to really be able to pull off Orco, not like that's right, pull off Orco, but yeah. y- you know, like Orco, Orco was like a floating little wizard with ears, you know. Um, mm. so they they replaced Orco with a similar character who was like a dwarf called Gwildor, and I think that really pissed people off, of course. Um, so already they, they had made a decision that was going to piss the fans off. Um, they got Skeletor right. They got t- uh, they got Evelyn right. Uh, they got a couple of other things right, but like they they filmed it, filmed it, filmed it. They they decided to sort of base fucking a good half of the film on Earth, which just reduced it a lot. Uh, and then they got to the final day where it was literally like the pay hadn't come through for all the crew and stuff oh, and the crew were going to wa- walk off. It was, yeah, oh. it was literally on the last day of filming. Um, and things were happening like in the last few weeks of filming where every day they were coming they were coming on set and either people from Canon or people from Mattel were coming on set and saying to the, um, saying to the uh, director, uh, we're shutting you down. We're shutting you down. And he was like, "No, no, 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 no. We're doing this film. We're fil- we're finishing this film." You know. So he knew that he had to fucking rush to get everything done. And um, then on the last day, they literally, as that they, they got one, they got the beginning of the sort of big ultimate fight scene at the end. Everyone wanted to just see Skeletor and He Man do this big sword fight and they sort of got the initial big sort of clash where the swords came together and literally somebody walked up to the main camera and put a board over it and just sort of blocked it like that and said, no, nah, the film shut down. So then, Jesus. Um, yeah, they, they – because the unions basically shut the set down because the crew mm-hmm. wasn't getting paid and all the crew walked off set. The director basically then – behind the scenes begged the DOP and like say one camera operator and the two actors uh, playing He-Man and and Skeletor to come back on set and just finish off the scene. And they did it like basically all with the lights turned down because like there were no lighting operators and all of this shit. But look, they finished the film. It went out. It was a bit of a flop, like it fucking lost a lot of money. It is a big sort of cult classic now. You can find it on Stan, I believe, uh, yeah. the Masters of the Universe film. So go out there, guys, check out the film, see what you think. Go back and watch the um, original cartoon series as well. It's, you know, really, really fucking good. Um, and check out um, a website called He-Man.org. If you love He-Man and if you love Masters of the Universe and if you're a massive geek like me, you are going to love this site. They're so accurate. There's so much detail on there and it'll just be like a, you know, you're going to fall down the rabbit hole with all the information that's on there. It's just just fucking fantastic. So enjoy. Good on you guys. Fantastic. Um, and so if we're you do have this weekend, some photos, we, baby? 
We do, babe. I'm just going to, we've got one minute left and I'm just going to whiz through some stuff. But if you do have some photos of your toys that you want to put us in our, put on our Facebook, it's the 80s montage, you can put, us some, put some photos of yourself with your toys. We don't care if you're 58. Just put it up there. Show us your toys. And by toys we mean Masters of the Universe or That's dil- right. Dildos. Not your So just dildos. go for it. <laughs> Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. We do have a gig. So we've got, uh, we'll quickly do our gig guide, which we won't be able to sync up because we're remote. So uh, right. probably won't happen because Maddie's always <laughs> telling me off about that. Uh, <laughs> Saturday, May the 8th, this weekend, Rewind 80s Mixtape Tour is at the Albury Entertainment Centre. We have 265 tickets sold, but Woo! we can really fit all of Albury in this room. It's a big, big venue. So you can buy tickets on the night. They will be from 6pm until 7pm and there's no lockout. So even if you come in 10 minutes late, you can get in. But, yeah, Did get on down, $43.50. Hey? Did you mention the venue then? Albury Entertainment Centre, yeah. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Saturday, May the 22nd, the Commercial Hotel in South Morang is going through the roof, 207 tickets sold. Capacity will be 75%. You guys are awesome. Uh, We have never charged to get in at the Commercial before. We've been there for maybe seven years now. And I, I remember when we first started there, it was one of the venues that really took a chance on Rewind 80s because there was a lot of 80s bands around and they really took a chance on us. And I think our first gig we had 130 people there and then it was until about the fifth time we were there we ended up getting like four to 500 people. So they wow. really deserve this, this uh, ticket sale thing. Good on them. Saturday, June the 5th, the Sphinx Hotel in Geelong. Tickets are on sale. They are $20 to $25, 156 sold already. That's going to be a ripper gig. I'll get more details about that with ticket sales uh, closer to the date. Um, Saturday, June the 26th, Eddie's Band Room in Moorabbin. So we have a lot of Glen Iris people that listen to this show. It's our highest rating area of Australia is Glen Iris. Fantastic. Believe it or not. So ah. that's not far for you guys to come to Eddie's band room. Uh, so in Eddie's Marabin. band room, they just had yep. a um, – that's a name change. What did they used to be? I don't know. Eddie's ballroom or something. I don't I know. It was no it was idea. Fat Eddie's or something. It was called Fat Eddie's or something, wasn't it? Fast, fast Eddie's. Eddie's. I'm not fast sure Eddie's. if that's the same venue. I'm not sure. Sure. They've sort of mm. changed. Yeah, it was Eddie's band room, Eddie's pool and band room. I don't know, but it's called yeah. Eddie's band yeah. room now. Fast All Eddie's right. is a restaurant, isn't it? Yeah, they sell burgers and stuff. They're really popular. It's like a like a little rock and roll bar, yeah. and um, it's on yeah Cochrane's Road, isn't it? Something like no, that. No, it's not on Cochrane's Road. This might be a different venue. From what I know, but anyway, it's okay. Eddie's band room. Yeah, uh, might be the same thing, but I actually think formerly Fast Eddie's. You're right, babe. Formerly Fast Eddie's. Yeah, is it in Cochrane's Road though? Yeah, it's um, isn't it the place that's basically um, sorry, it's Chesterfield Road, baby. Chesterville Road. Yeah, 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 yeah. 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 Chesterville Road, one sixty eight, Chesterville Road, Morabin. The mm-hmm. other shitholes in uh, Cochrane's Road. That's right. We won't mention that. Um, <laughs> now, Albury, the, we had a competition in Albury with the Border Mail paper, which is Wodonga yeah. and Albury <laughs> newspaper. And uh, we had six winners, 120 entries. So thank you to the Border Mail. Wow. And we had six winners. So they get a double pass to the Albury Entertainment Centre on Saturday night. The winners Brilliant. were Nicole R, Jane D, Lorraine M, Andrew O, Jeff C and Carly W. So congratulations to those guys. And, of course, Bendigo went on sale the, uh, 10 days ago and the early bird tickets have sold 140 Sold. So just Fuck, to let you know, anyone, yeah, that's great for early bird. If you want to get the $38 tickets, this is where the Breakfast Club 
jumps in. So the Breakfast Club is our VIP membership for the mixtape tour. It's to join it, it costs you nothing and you join it on rewind80sband.com and you let us know what area you're in. You will get a code number for all the mixtape tours and you won't pay more than $38 if you have a code number. So it's just a matter of joining the uh, Breakfast Club. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. How good is that? So exciting to just to be able to be doing a bloody gig guide that's sort of so detailed yeah, and so exciting. Yeah, we're starting up again. Oh, yeah, it's absolutely. great. God, it took absolutely. a while, but we're back, baby. That's fantastic. Yeah, look, it's it's slowly. We've got a lot of private functions, but a lot of venues are coming back. But really excited about Albury Entertainment Centre. You can buy tickets on the night. But please buy them online if you can so we can just see how many people are there and and uh, work out how many people we got come, coming in. Yeah, yeah. Have your cousins Fantastic. put tickets yet? I'm not sure. I'm going to speak to my cousins now. Cousins? Let them, they, they may not get a seat because it might be sold out. Well, they'll get a seat because there yeah. is 800 capacity. Great. it would be great to get one up the front-ish, you know what I mean, yeah. so we can yeah. see them in the audience. There will be a lot of walk-ups for this one, I imagine. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. But, nice uh, one. Yeah. Well, we might have covered it all, huh? That's our episode. Yeah, now, it is. guys, if you love the show, please get your friends involved. Introduce them to the 80s Montage. Um, for all things 80s Montage, you can go to our website, the80smontage.com, uh, and check out uh, Rewind 80s, which is our sort of live show where we play the best of the 80s, mate. Fucking done hot, done the way it should be done. Absolutely. Um, we had a rehearsal the other night. It was amazing. Yeah, a lot of fun. Good to see the guys again. It'll be great to be back on stage with them. Now, guys, if you love the 80s montage, please like, share, rate and review us. Give us five stars and become a subscriber. Follow us. Follow us on as many platforms as you can. And best of all, best thing you can do is become a Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. There's all different tiers depending on what you can afford. But if you jump on board for $10 a month, you get all the extra episodes where we just talk shit and get real. And it's like we're talking to our friends because you are our friends. We love it. We love you. the support that we get from our Patreons. And a big hello and lots of love to our Patreons out there listening right now. Absolutely. It's behind the paywall. We love that where we can get naughty and give you some gossip on shit and uh, talk about gigs. But I think next week we'll probably do a review on the Aubrey Entertainment Centre. That might be next week's show. Yeah, I was thinking. We'll spend an hour on that. Could have been a um, could have been a good idea to do an episode at the thing, but we'll probably have our mind on the show a hundred percent, and we you know do do one when we're able to sort of reflect and yeah, and think I think back. I it's going to be a great uh, night. It's going to be a great night, and we will probably reflect after it definitely, which would be <laughs> awesome because otherwise I'll be running around like a blue ass fly. Yeah. Doing, oh shit! I got. Oh, I got. Yeah. But um, it's going to be exciting. I've spoken to the sound guy today, and he has mixed flock of seagulls. He has mixed aha, and he's incredible. So I was like, oh the my real god, thing. you're the guy, wow. the real thing. Oh. Yeah, because I was just. I always talk to the soundies and say, look, if you don't understand keyboards, you can't work with my band. That's and they're it. like, no, I, I totally get it. And I said, I don't want drums and bass. Everyone, I have to train everyone up for keyboards. And he said, no, nah, I used to I did Flock of Seagulls and Pseudo Echo. And I went, oh, okay, that's good. Excellent. So great. hopefully he's not deaf and we'll be right. <laughs> well, it's going to be great to go to Aubrey. Can't wait to see you all up there. And great to hit the road again with the mixtape tour. Now, guys, yeah. if it's music mateys. Or cool shit from the 80s. We're going to talk about it. Unreal. See you later, folks. <laughs>